0: And welcome back to the Ops Show, where we bring in the trials and tribulations, the automations and collaborations from the world of DevOps and the developer experience. I'm your host, Tristan Pollack. And in our best show yet, we have two guests for the first time Ali Hamidi and DeVars Brown of Miraxa, a data infrastructure platform. Uh, Devaris is also director of product management at Heroku and Ali was a lead software engineer. So excited to also hear a little bit about Heroku and you know all the love that comes around that product. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, thank you for having us. So we always like to start out the show with a little bit of the code story, like, you know, how did you get into software? Uh, Devaris, you want to go first and then Ali second? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I uh, gotten a software. Uh, my mom actually is a uh, director of quality assurance. And it's probably gonna make Ali laugh because me and him have had like, uh, conversations about the the role of QA in, in, at Maraxa. But my mom uh, worked as a uh, QA person for a very long time. Uh, and she worked at startups. And so when, when they would give her a book allowance in the first dot com boom, uh, they, uh, she let me get a little bit of that money and I taught myself how to program. And then one day they were like, yo, we need, we need engineers. And I was like 14. I was like, I could go. I can go. <laughs> and, uh, I ended up, uh, working on, working on. So it was basically like an agency. So I worked on a few products, uh, uh, uh like classic ASP products, MVP.com. It was a sports member oh, wow. okay. back in the day. Uh, uh, I think AT&T's billing edge or something like that. Um, yeah, but yeah, I taught myself how to program, went to college, ended up getting uh, my research project, uh, uh, you know, commercialized by Microsoft. And that's how I started off as a, as an engineer. I love it.
0: Did you, um, did like getting into being self-taught and getting into programming? Did you end up having, did you have like a musical stint too? I've seen like, It's like 70% of the people on the show, like, who are, especially if they're self-taught, they, like, had, like, this, like, you know, attraction. Yeah, I,
1: uh, I basically taught myself. well, I was in band all the way up and through, uh, so taught myself how to DJ and, like, all that type of stuff, so, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of kind of me. I And I still, you know, play, play a little bit of piano, still do all that type of stuff. Make make music. As, that's like kind of like my release, uh, like next to me is like my DJ booth set up and okay, right, nice. my Ableton push. All right. So. OK, cool. Uh, cool. Maybe, uh, we always, always music is a part of that. I love that. And Ali, you know how to
0: tell me a little bit about how you, uh, you know, got into code and, you know, started, you know, basically co-founding this company. Sure. So uh, I think my background is a little bit more uh, traditional than
2: the Um So my older brother was uh, always into sort of computers growing up, um, and he studied computer science. Uh, he's nine years older than I am, so that's quite a big difference. Uh, but he was kind of kind of the inspiration for me to get into to coding in general. Um, and then I, I went to I studied computer science at university as well. And um, you know, my first job was writing uh, a Java. A Java-based installer for network management software, um, so it was, it was a fairly uh, interesting experience. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, from then uh, I moved on to to do a bunch of other stuff, um, you know, ultimately landing at Heroku and, and sort of meeting uh, the virus there, and then, you know, doing Maroxet. A little
1: bit about Maroxet. Say it one more time, man. You were breaking up
0: just a little bit. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, How did and how did you guys meet and, uh, you know, start Maroxa and tell us a little bit about Maroxa?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, we met because Ali and, and I would, uh, I think we met first on like a Heroku offsite. We yeah. had like an offsite, at, offsite, and then we started talking and we just got cool because, you know, there's not many brown folks in tech. So, you know, we just started talking to each other. And then, uh, like I think maybe that next week or two, like me and him had like five back-to-back customer onsites where we were paired with each other, and we essentially heard the same feedback. It's like, yo, it's super dope that that you know uh, Heroku allows you to click a button and provision a web app, but like or or data component, you know, Postgres Redis, or Kafka. But Mm. we what we really need is like the Heroku for orchestrating data between those components. And so uh, Ali and I basically just say, yo, let's try to figure this out. How can we do this at Heroku? Uh, some time went by and like, you know, we, we chased it up the flagpole and they were just like, yeah, we're going to switch strategic directions to focus mostly on Salesforce data and developer experience. And Ali and I were like, yeah, probably not. And so uh, we uh, got got together again and essentially just drew up what Maroxa would be. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's funny. Like I shared the the initial uh, uh, like system design that we had, and I think we were pretty accurate. Like I mean, <laughs> I mean, is 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 still held up to this day, uh, which I think is kind of cool. And um, yeah, I mean, that, that's really how we started, and I mean, it's it's, it's been great. Uh, I took three months from January, well, from September to, to January before we went to an accelerator to go talk to a whole bunch of data analysts, data engineers and data scientists to figure out like what tools they were using and like all that type of stuff. Uh, and so by the time Ali was ready to come join in January, like we basically had the whole like basically our two, three year roadmap map uh, knocked out because we just, you know, from our own personal experience, listening to our customers and then like, you know, our our field research, we uh, we figured it out. So, yeah, that's that's the genesis of of Maroxa. Uh, I can tell you where the name comes from. It's actually kind of cool. Yeah, I would love to hear that. Um well, I mean, this is a yeah, basically I was up uh, one night watching Wicked Tuna after dinner on National Geographic and like some, you know, uh thing about oil pipelines uh, came on. So, the Dangote refinery is is going to be is getting built in 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 West Africa. It's going to be the largest oil refinery on the continent. And uh they were talking about the Mirox process, which takes sulfates out of kerosene, which is jet fuel. And so Ali both and I came from from Salesforce, they used to say data is a new oil. Uh, so okay. so basically what we say is like, you know, if if data is a new oil, we want to power the refinery. So that's how we got the name Mirox. Clean
0: it, you yeah. clean, clean the product, make it and make it understandable.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Um, well, I know Ali. I think you got a little bit, uh, like a short demo, just for us to kind of like see behind the scenes a little bit. Maybe that now's a good time to pull it up, and yeah. uh, we can kind of, you know, get a first hand take of what you guys are talking about. Sure. All um, right, let me throw it up right now. Are you are you ready for me to share your screen? Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, so hopefully, uh, I don't get hit with the, the curse of the live demo.
2: Um, but just to provide some background, uh, essentially, the Moxa Data Platform is is designed to uh, sort of find siloed data uh, wherever it, it sort of resides in your organization and make it super easy to pull that data out and put it into um, essentially a flexible event stream format. and then you can sort of build applications on top of that and leverage that uh, data uh, better. you know take more advantage out of that data. And so this is a, a very highly contrived uh, example, but the idea is to kind of demonstrate the the power of uh, the Marks platform in getting data out of different uh, data sources. And so essentially what I have here is um, I have I created a Postgres database earlier. Um, so it's, uh, I'm pSQLed uh, into it. And so it just has one table, uh, an accounts table. Um, and so essentially what I'm going to demo is pulling data out of that Postgres database and then putting it into other places. And so on the left, I've got um, an S3 bucket, and it's empty. Uh, and then I also have a Redshift cluster that is also empty. Um, and so essentially, I'm going to start by um, creating a connection, uh, a connector from that Postgres database into the Markzl platform. And so I'm going to you know, skip ahead a little bit and do this. Uh, so here, I'm using the Markzl CLI. I'm creating a connector uh, through from PG Demo, which is a the demo of Postgres database. I'm calling it account source, and I'm setting the input as the accounts table. And so there's that. Um, So like a ton of stuff happened behind the scenes. It's fairly uh, straightforward on on the CLI, but essentially the Maroxa platform knows about the Postgres database. It knows how to connect to it. It knows everything about it. Um, And then it figures out the best way to create a connector and pull data out. And so I can use connectors. Um, And so now essentially you can see that it's running and it's pulling data from that uh, Postgres database from that accounts table and it's streaming it into uh, this internal stream. And so it's actually setting up a CDC stream, so it changes the capture. So any anything that changes on that database will get pulled out and, and mapped into um, the stream. And then I can basically hang additional connectors off that stream and pour it into other places. Um, and so to demonstrate that, I'm going to create a, a connector into S3. Um, so it's gonna So let's save myself from some typing errors, but I'm gonna, so here, I'm just telling it to take the output of the other stream as the input for this one. And so essentially uh, read whatever is in that stream and write it into S3. And so <clears> have <throat> that created as well. And so similarly, it looks at the data, it knows what the, the schema is, it knows what that structure is. Um, it knows how to write to S3. And so now essentially uh, traffic should should be pulled in from uh, the Postgres database and written out. So I'm just gonna do an insert. Um, I wrote a record into the database. Uh, it's a very sort of contrived example. It's just my name and uh, my email address. Uh, and then in a few seconds, we should see that it's actually pulled that record out of Postgres, written it into a stream, um, mapped that sort of schema out into what the object should look like, and then write it out into S three. And it does it in in sort of a continuous fashion as a as a stream, not really in batches. Uh, it just takes a minute or so to to fire up. In the meantime, I can, I can actually create the uh, Redshift connector as well. So similarly, I'm just going to uh, hope to consume this as the input. All right. <clears throat> and so now, uh, similarly, actually, let me check this. So there we go, it's created the, the prefixed sort of bucket and it's actually starting to write records in there. And so the records are written in uh, GZIP um, sort of one record per row format. Okay. And so as the database sees changes, you update, you, you delete things, um, all those changes will get streamed into uh, the Maroxa platform and they'll get picked up by the, the subsequent sync connector and actually written out into S3. Um, and similarly, just by tapping into that same stream that's sort of continuously being read Um, we've pulled out this. So now it actually looks at the format and it creates the the schemas and everything. And so one of the cool things that we handle is uh, sort of schema evolution. So if I go in and then I add a new field or I cast a different type, um, provided that it's a a straightforward migration that we can automate, then we will do it. So if I add another field, it'll actually detect that, oh, the schema has changed, there's a new field now. So it'll generate the DDL and execute it on the the downstream uh, sinks
0: so yeah that's that's sort of a short quick demo just to show what it is and, and how it works yeah that's awesome so uh, as you guys um and i'll just take this down here uh as you guys were thinking about how to kind of visualize and manage some of this data like what are some of the thought processes or you know how do you how do you take uh advantage of this you know this wealth of data while still making it kind of uh, observable and understandable <laughs>
2: Yeah, so uh, one of one of the things that we you know we thought pretty hard about is how can we we play nicely in this sort of existing um, operations heavy sort of developed ecosystem, and so uh, one of the things that we do is we expose a uh, Prometheus endpoint, and so if you're you know heavily into that ecosystem, you know you you might have Grafana set up or Thanos or some equivalent systems, um, we actually expose all the metrics within our infrastructure through a Prometheus endpoint that you can tap into, and so you know. Coming from Heroku, uh, our focus on on developer experience is, is pretty uh, pretty significant. And so, the the way we've been thinking about things is, we'd like to make things work, you know, very easily out of the box. You should be able to execute command, and you should do the right thing for the vast majority of people. Um, mm-hmm. But sort of in in sort of deviating from from the, the heavily opinionated, borderline restrictive sort of Heroku model, um, we've taken the approach that we want it to work for the most part out of the box with a simple command, uh, but also allow you to to customize and tweak things um, to go in a little deeper. And so, you know, following that, that thinking, our dashboard, which we're, we're currently developing, will show you what we think are the key metrics in order for you to troubleshoot things or, or scale things or, or make decisions on, um, but through the Prometheus uh, endpoint, we actually export everything. Mm-hmm. And so okay. you can, you know, look at the kitchen sink if, if you know exactly what it is that you want, you can get that that sort of raw detail, and similarly with configuring connectors, we've taken a, the same approach. You type the one command. We look at the resource, we figure out the best way that we think um, to get the data out. But actually, you can override any any configuration if you happen to know that you know your particular workload or or your uh, organization has some sort of particular thing that you want to tweak. Um, you can actually set that, and we will merge the configuration in and and do it.
0: So it's. It's, that's nice. So you have this combination of like customization and yeah. and personalization, yeah. depending on like what level of user or depth you want. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's our that's our that's our mantra is like to be prescriptive with control, right? Like that's just one mm-hmm. of the you know you talk about our Heroku backgrounds. Like that was the big thing that people had an issue with was like it was just too much of a black box. So uh, we've basically just figured out the balance of that and how we architected the product.
0: Yeah, I like that. Um, we had a we had a question from the community um, a little bit about that that Heroku background. Um, the question was: uh, Being a part of a larger org sometimes means sacrificing uh, iterative exploration, exploration, and in lieu of maintaining product standards. So, curious as a product manager, if you had the green field to improve an aspect of the product or introduce a new feature, what would it be?
1: Um, oh, at, at Heroku.
0: <laughs> I, I, I I'm I'm I think it's speaking about Heroku, but you could talk about it because <laughs> I feel like you're kind of already talked about that with the Maroxas side. But yeah, um, oh man,
1: it's that's, that's so much. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, me and Ali talk about this all the time when we see startups that are like unbundling Heroku, right? Mm. Like there's like a bunch of like review app startups or or like mm. these like uh, app orchestration or workflow startups. So. Uh, funny story. Uh, I my first offsite, we basically planned it was called Heroku Steps, uh, or 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 something like that, and it Uh basically was GitHub Actions, right? Oh, really? Okay, yeah, so so you know, exclusive, exclusive break, you know, air horn, air horn, air horn. (laughs) Uh, yeah, that was kind of uh, that was the first product that I had pitched because our pipeline product wasn't necessarily a pipeline product like there were things that you needed to do underneath the hood or like in between mm-hmm. stages. And so I had pitched this whole thing about like, you know, just having steps or actions or yeah. uh, I think the steps were what they were called. Uh, so that was one thing. Another thing that, that that I wanted to do uh, was support for single page apps. Like Heroku is great mm-hmm. for uh, back-end web services. And if you include a build pack, you can do some react or if you bundle your Ember app or any other JS app, a single page app with a with a node application or ruby application like it, it works but like it, it you know it just wasn't a first class citizen so mm-hmm. uh those are the, the the two main things that that i wanted to do uh that we had is funny enough we had underneath the hood uh and they were working but just never saw the light of day um and the, oh, had, okay I'll so the,
0: the heroku steps
1: didn't actually they did they you didn't move forward with it no, 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 no. Oh, okay. Yeah. What about you, Ali? What What was there on the data side that you wanted to do other than build Moroxo? But
2: <laughs> yeah, this this is likely to be uh, su- super controversial. But um, uh, when Heroku first started, they they had the idea. Uh, like the original founders had this really strong um, belief that of uh, ephemeralization, which is incredibly mm-hmm. hard to pronounce. But the idea that um, if you know the the platform provider AWS in this case was providing a core functionality that was good enough then you should adopt that rather than write your own and sort of move up the stack. Um and I, I think that that kind of thinking is, is brilliant. And this is something that we've we've pulled over to Marxa for sure. And so I think there are actually a lot of aspects um as you know moving forward with or moving along with with Heroku that I think could have been more aggressively ephemeralized and sort of offloaded to to AWS or, or GCP. Um, yeah. I think like the Heroku um, Postgres was one of the original Postgres products. Um, it was fantastic, and it was so far ahead of of all the other managed services for a long time. Um, but since then, you know, RDS has has really um, sort of caught up, and like Aurora in particular is is an excellent product and handles a lot of the the scaling aspects. So I would have loved for us uh, at Heroku at the time uh, to have something like Heroku Postgres powered by AWS Aurora, and actually like swap out the underlying engine with. With that, and then that would free us to to build out sort of higher level abstractions on top of it, which is kind of what we're we're trying to do with Moxa.
1: Yeah, I mean, a couple of things there, right? Is like we always used to say internally that we are a value added reseller of AWS, which is basically the truth, right? <laughs> like, like we were just the, the veneer on top of AWS that made it a little more approachable and usable. Uh, a lot, a lot more approachable. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I was being, I was being humble, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. But but the other thing is like with Maroxa we we always say we're system engineers first software engineers second right and like mm-hmm. that's what what's given us the ability to to, to you know build a, a great resilient product get it out to the market fast because you know we're we're expert curators right like the thing the thing that I would say that that Ali you know I, I told him to beat his chest or puff his chest out a little bit more about this is like you know Heroku was doing hundreds of millions of requests a minute on Kafka for. Thousands of clusters or thousands of customers for tens of thousands of clusters, and the team at its height was six people. Right wow. now, contrast that with you know you pick a Figma company, you know they got teams of two hundred or so making five hundred grand plus a year doing the same things that 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 our team did. Right, and so like we've taken that knowledge of how to run and manage platform for the vast majority of people and brought that to the platform that we're building with Maroxa. So.
0: I got you. Yeah, that's a good explanation. Um, So one thing I'm kind of always curious to hear is just like you're about your personal workflows. You know, what do you guys do? You know, what are some of your favorite tools? How do you stay productive? You know, how do you get into a flow state? Like, what are some of these things you do when you think about you know, when you're, you know, are building a startup building a product and you're trying to stay, you know, as productive as possible with the resources you have?
1: Yeah, I mean when Ali talks to you, he'll give you a Vim lesson. We I troll him about this all the time, right? Um, But for me, as a as a CEO, right, like and a product person and sometime engineer, right, like you know my my tools are are a lot different than his, right? And so for me, uh, Notion is Notion and Jira Mm -hmm. is basically in Figma is essentially where my where my life is today. When I need Mm -hmm. to dive into some code, then it's VS Code. uh, How I get into to a, a perfect flow state. I got my mood lamp back here that you see is glowing right now. Yeah. Uh, like five pair of headphones. I got. I listen to uh, DJ Raphael on on YouTube to get into like the little chill hop instrumental. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like all that type of stuff. And like, I uh, I basically uh, at the beginning of my day, I just write a to do list and essentially just kind of chunk through it, right? And and mm-hmm. just get through my my to do list. I use Todoist uh, for that uh, as well. And then in every hour i just get you know every 20 30 minutes i get up and you know kind of lightweight pomodoro method but like that's kind of mm-hmm. how i do my day so and then i block my calendar out like now i have the ability to like say here's what working time is and here's what meeting time is so mm, yeah. i have to be very intentional about that stuff
0: yeah super valuable yeah like uh, the pomodoro has been a very popular uh way for that people stay focused and kind of get things done i love the chill hop uh, thing. We've, we're 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 friends with uh, a kind of an online uh, software engineer influencer called Meuko, and she does this like Twitch stream called Muko's Cafe that's like all that sort of music, and I I was like this is like the perfect music for. Yeah trying to get into the zone. So yeah, I, I echo that. I'm gonna look up DJ Raphael. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll make sure I
1: send that to you in the, after the show, but.
0: Okay, please do, please do. We'll, we'll drop that in the in the description too.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Ali, how do you, what do you do?
2: Yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's fairly similar but being sort of more on the technical side that there's some things, uh, one sort of aside is I tend to try to pack all of our meetings into the beginning of the week. So like Mondays are sort of pretty meeting intense. Um, mm-hmm. But the idea is to um, sort of get, get that out of the way and so you have a little bit more time to focus throughout the rest of the, the week. Uh, another thing that we, we try to do quite a bit is um, sort of pair program. And we've been using uh, tuple or tuple, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, it is a okay. surprisingly excellent product. Um, it's relatively new. Um, and so sort of in the past, I've used uh, Screen Hero before uh, Slack acquired it, and we, used, uh, we tried like Google Meet and all sorts of other products, but Tuple um, is super responsive and really lightweight, and it's it's just fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. So I really like that;
0: it's it's really really good. Um, yeah, I'll like uh, have to check that one out. Yeah, it's it's definitely a good one. Um, and you know. uh, do you have some favorite you know favorite tools? Yeah. Like, what do you guys build uh, Moroxa on? So, in terms of our our sort of pl- uh, deployment sort of platform, uh, we're
2: we're, we kind of have an interesting uh, sort of setup. One, one thing, in order to provide some context, the, the way the product exists is essentially we have a control plane, which is a collection of Go services. Um, and then we have the, the data plane, which is yeah. a collection of um, open source components, um, mm-hmm. including Kafka, Kafka Connect, um, some Go services that are written by us, um, some community provided services. And so the entirety of the, the data plane is uh, open source. Um, okay. And so we have this, this sort of interesting split where we actually provision things inside an AWS account. Um, okay. And so everything that we we deploy, um, we deploy for the distributed data plane is on Kubernetes. And so like one of the sort of killer tools for us uh, introduced by by one of our, our engineers, uh, Owen, was the idea of pushing everything into Minikube, which is like a, <clears throat> a lightweight sort of shrunk down uh, Kubernetes cluster. And so we use that internally for like our CI and for local development. And so we actually stand up the entirety of the platform, including the control plane and the distributed data plane. Um, and so you basically have like one command, and you can stand up the entire thing locally. And you can run all your tests, and you can experiment, and you can do whatever you want. Um, and we take that same setup of this mini-kube um, Kubernetes cluster and run it inside CI. So as part of our acceptance tests, we actually stand up the entire platform, configure connectors, push traffic through, watch it go all the way out. Um, and yeah, that's been, that's been incredible. Um, being able to have that sort of um, parity between what the, the production environment looks like and what you can run locally and what you can run in CI um,
0: has been has been great. Yeah, that's that sounds really slick. I'm not as familiar with the Mini Cube, so basically that is just kind of a layer on top of your of your K8s. Uh, it is it is Kubernetes. It's like a distribution of
2: Kubernetes designed oh, okay. for um, sort of edge deployment or running it locally. It's like super lightweight. Um, mm-hmm. And sort of boots quickly and, and doesn't use much
0: resources. It's yeah,
2: it's cool. cool.
0: Yeah, it sounds it sounds like you've got everything taken care of and like simplified enough so it's not yeah. overly complex. Yeah, we also we also leverage um, sort of chat ops quite a bit. So whether you're making
2: oh, okay. infrastructure whether you're making infrastructure changes, so we use uh, Terraform Cloud to make changes to our sort of AWS account. Um, or if you're pushing code, then both of those systems <clears throat> run all the tests. They get everything ready in staging, and then it, you get a message popped, that pops into Slack that says, "Like this is what was just deployed. Here's a link to the the, the change log uh, pulled from your sort of Git commits, and you can hit the approve button, and it'll actually package it and, and deploy it. Um, and so, yeah, sort of having that set up really nicely um, helps, you know, keep velocity and and also. You can't really do that unless you have sort of confidence in in the in the, the you know the test framework and and CI and all that stuff. So yeah, I think we've uh, we've arrived at a pretty
1: sweet spot
0: now. Yeah. Are you, as will oh, go ahead, DeVars?
1: No, I was gonna say, man, it w- was was crazy. Ali, like you know, it's just a testament of uh, how how you know uh, uh, focus execution and proper planning can can help you you know zoom faster. And that, you know, this is advice I give to any any founder, right? Like people I invest in or people that, that ask me, you know, because I worked at Heroku, like, how can I help them? The main thing is, is just like having a, a focused plan. And so well, was earlier on in, in, our, in our journey. We talked to some folks over at a large video streaming company uh, and they essentially, you know, prolific and open source, right? Like they mm-hmm. release a ton of open source projects and especially along the ops and data realm, right? And, you know, we basically like the guy's an advisor for us. Uh, and, and, you know, we're basically walking through the demo like we did with you earlier. He goes, wait, how long have you guys been developing this? And we were just like ah, about what, three months, three and a half months or something like that. And He goes, that's interesting. He says, let me let me. Can I share my screen? Can I show you something? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not, man? And so he walks through basically Maroxa, what it looks like internally to their company he says, look, I've had 20 engineers making over a half million dollars working on this for the past two years. And they haven't got to the level of, of sophistication that you guys had. And, you know, it was just like, hey, do you want to come work for us? I'm like, I mean, you know, if this doesn't work out, we'll 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 definitely go grab that grab that bag. But uh, right now it's just like we, we see the opportunity. Right. Which is like, look, all the big companies have this infrastructure in place, but they have armies of people. Uh, that are dedicated to maintaining it, right? Like, could you imagine mm-hmm. if the, the the power of, you know, now the one, two person startup can can use the same type of real-time infrastructure that, that you know, all the FANGMA companies have, right? And like, that's mm-hmm. what our real big bet is. It's just like, just making this more accessible and more approachable. Uh, so you can use it for analytics and your engineering operations. So like, that's that's really a, a testament to, to, to having focused execution knowing who your customer is, knowing who your users are, knowing the difference between the two, uh, and then pushing a product that, that that services their needs, that that focuses on their issues and, and making sure that they're more productive. Because, like, data engineering is a thankless job. It's, it's, it, it, nobody cares about it until they see that big-ass dip in your analytics graph, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, uh, uh, don't pay attention to that. We had some data quality issues there, but the rest of the graph is good. And you're like, wait, why wouldn't I pay attention to that and why would I assume that the rest of the graph is good if if this is the you know so yeah so, yeah yeah so we're we're basically just trying to trying to be the the Lucius Fox to the data engineering's Batman.
0: Oh wow, I like that. <laughs> Lucius Fox to the data engineering Batman. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense, and I, I like I love the accessibility of it. Like you're saying, like trying to you know help all these, you know, basically anyone who wants this level of quality, uh, be able to reach it, you know, and you don't need this huge engineering team, you don't need to be a fang company. Like it's Yeah, it's, that's that that's cool. Because I think that just empowers so many builders within software to be able to do so much more. Um. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. Uh, I guess going forward, like what you know, how do you see some of the, you know, some of the trends within this space? Like, you know, how are you thinking about, you know, be matching what, you know, is going to be happening over the next few years in data or, uh, you know, in the greater developer space? Like, what are some of the big trends that you see now that we're kind of coming to the end of the year, uh, starting to look forward to a new beginning, hopefully in 2021?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll take I'll take some of this and I know Ali has his opinions, but uh, number one is, uh, you know, look, the data warehouse becomes more of a vital part of of people's day to day business operations. And so you're already starting to see uh, a a vast swath of these like operationalized data warehouse companies that are out there. Uh, So it's like, oh, if your data is in the data warehouse, we're just going to take it out and make it available to some SaaS products or something like that. Right. And so you're going to see a lot of that. Uh, you're going to see uh, uh, more tools like bundled together. So like, you know, we we went through this mm-hmm. bundling, then unbundling to like open source to like now people are like, well, now we need to bundle these things again because none of these things talk together uh, well. So like that's also going to be something that uh, you're going to start to see more bundles of things. So like observability and tracing at the same time or you know, you it, like all this type of stuff, right? Uh, you're going to see higher level abstractions mm-hmm. on top of Kubernetes, right? Like to spin up a Kubernetes cluster still is a is a choose your own adventure battle, and so mm-hmm. you know there's going to be more companies like CTO.io AI mm-hmm. and like you know, Octito and some of these other folks. Uh, they're going to have higher level abstractions, so like you don't care that it's Kubernetes, you just care that you get the all the good parts of Kubernetes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the data realm, you're going to start to see more. Uh, levels of abstraction, right, which are, you know, uh, folks like us, you know, be remiss if I didn't mention Maroxa, uh, you know, we are going to take a more platformatized approach to the streaming world, right? And so the way I've basically been calling folks Hadoop refugees, right? So you go from Hadoop camp, like get everything in HDFS. Now it's like, oh, get everything over into the data warehouse. So you go from like batch to micro batch, and now folks are going to get to streaming, like more folks are going to start doing streaming, uh, and and are going to start realizing that these like customer data platforms, like a segment a trade Matillion, all those types of things, they aren't really doing the job that that you needed to. So uh that's kind of where I think some of the trends are going. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm a little biased in some of those areas, but you know, that's kind of where <laughs> we're at.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's actually yeah, that's, that's helpful and well said. What Ali. about you, Ali?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely agree with with a lot of uh, what you said, well, pretty much everything that you said. Uh, but another area where I think this, we're going to see a lot more um, sort of activity is is moving towards more specialized data source, uh, databases and data um, sort of products again. Um, so I think there was a, a trend at one point where you would have very specific things. You know, if you're putting your time series data, you'd put it into um, something like Graphite or whatever it is. And then there's a move to kind of generalize it and pull it back out into you know, Postgres with all these extensions and all these other things. But then now as businesses and companies are generating tons more data and the data is a lot more specialized, I think I can definitely see a move back into those more specialized data sources. And so mm. that's where I think tooling around making um, access to these sort of more specialized data sources uh, a little bit easier. Um, I think there's there's definitely uh, a ton of work left uh, to be done there. Um, I also think areas like data hygiene and data quality um, is still super nascent, and mm. data quality is is sort of a, a major problem. Um, so more companies are creating tons more data, and the quality is is generally bad. Like it's it's pretty hard to get um, good quality data out of all of your sort of disparate data sources and sort of provide that consistency and and sort of uniformity with, you know, whether it's IDs or formats and, and sort of correlation between user IDs across different services. Um, so I think that that push is, is definitely, you know, we're just starting to see it now, but I think there's gonna be tons of tons of people
0: really focusing their attention on, on that, uh, including ourselves, obviously. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think that's, yeah, it's interesting with uh, all the, you know, these big data companies just ballooning and, like snowball and all this hype and it's it's like it makes perfect sense that like what there's there's got to be better ways to understand visualize you know just move it forward especially yeah like you said consistently yeah we say this all the time like it doesn't matter what you do whether you sell
2: cattle or you ship boxes or you provide professional services you are a data company now um Mm. you're producing tons of data you need to make use of that data in order to to succeed um and if you aren't Sort of taking advantage of your data, then you're unlikely to succeed. And so, yeah, people need better tools. They need to make better use of that data. Um,
0: so, I think I think it's kind of inevitable. Yeah, I like that a lot. Every yeah, everything is becoming so much about the data. Yeah. Um, so yeah, where I mean, as we kind of start to wrap up here, like where where can we find you guys online? Any shout outs? Any last words that you'd like to share?
1: Uh, I will you know you can find us at moroxa.com uh m o r o x a.com uh sign up for the for the beta inside of there there's a there's a like an email uh field for you to go ahead and sign up uh you can check us out at Maroxa Data on twitter i believe is is our thing yeah. as our handle uh yeah. but yeah you can check us out on uh me or ali i'm on twitter at devaris p brown ali is i think he's on twitter yeah hey me hey, hey, hey. Yep, eh, Hamidi. Uh, okay. So, yeah, we're we're not very active, but we kind of are at the same time because, you know, building the company. Got a lot going on, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but definitely want to shout out our team. Uh, Janae, TJ, Owen, Micah, uh, Brett, James, Sarah, Dylan. Uh, you know, y'all are the gasoline that makes this, this, uh, this engine go. Uh, so, yeah, just – and shout out to my mama for always believing in me. In me. Love that. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely the best shout out so far. Yeah, man. All older, you know, she, she made all this possible. Yeah. Thirty-seven years ago.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, she, she inspired you getting into into code in the first place, right? Like, yeah, exactly. exactly. Cool. Yeah. Also, want to mention that we are, of course, hiring, um,
2: yes. and so we're aggressively growing. And so, uh, if you're interested in writing Go, um, at scale and or working on open source products
1: um yeah we'll, we'll definitely like to talk to you yeah i mean like we're, we're at this point like if you can spell kafka you know we'll, we'll we'll have a good we'll have a decent conversation with you uh but but yeah we're, we're definitely hiring uh experienced go engineers so anybody that's looking out for us go to jobs.lever.co slash maroxa uh and you can go apply uh, uh you know for for the jobs that we have listed there uh definitely looking for back-end folks we're we're all set on the front end we got we you know we, we got a glutton of those folks but yeah we, we definitely need some more experienced back-end folks
0: yeah i love that so and when are these remote uh, or how do you how are you kind of looking at this yeah we, we
1: hire anywhere and everywhere we want the illest illest dude and <laughs> illest person in omaha nebraska <laughs> I don't care where you're at. If you if you if you are talented, uh come to us. And I mean, just 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 on some like you know, kind of like cultural things, right? Like, you know, we pay people pretty good, like we pay people like adults, uh, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh work life balance is pretty good, you know. Uh I would say so because like we all got stuff to do, and so that's why we prize focus execution and collaboration. So we just don't work on anything. We work on the right things. Right. And and so like that helps reduce some of that startup thrash. You know, we got good benefits and all that good stuff. So if you're anywhere in the world and you hear this and you like, yo, that's me. Uh, go to, you know, apply again. jobs.lever.co slash Maroxa. Uh, you can send me or Ali email. We're at Ali at or Devaris at maroxa.io. Uh If you got any questions, just holler at us like we're, we're pretty approachable. So.
2: Yeah, we were remote first uh, pre-COVID and okay. we'll continue
0: to be remote first post-COVID and forever, hopefully. Yep, that, that's great. Yeah, well, yeah, i love to see that transition of companies moving into this this space of, yeah, flexibility. I mean, it sounds like you guys yeah. are being, being super thoughtful, you know, with the work-life balance, Under you know, being remote first. Like, I just think that is just, you know, it's so much more helpful for people when they're looking just to find great work and yeah. do do great work, but like focus and be super productive during the time that they have. Not yeah. just trying to just pile on hours. And
1: it's a, yeah, it sounds a lot like our our culture at CTOAI. So that's really cool to hear. Yeah, man. I mean, it's funny. Like in the age of the internet, people still want you to come into an office. Like, I, it's like for what reason? All right. Like I get you know maybe <laughs> quarterly sync ups and stuff like that. But like day to day, why do I need to be in the office other than just to get away from my from my kids or something? Uh, but, but, but yeah, man, I, I, I just think like, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we, may and Ali have been working remote since our Heroku days. Right. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, he's in Sacramento. I'm in, I'm in the Bay area. Right. Like it's, it's basically a long distance relationship at this point. But, uh, but like we have been remote from day one, uh, since we've known each other. So it just made sense. I mean, maybe for vanity reasons, we can get a building with our, our name on the side of it, but I, yeah. I, I think I'm going to be like, yeah, we're going to put a Maroxa billboards in a bunch of cities and just do that once and call it Mm -hmm. a day so I can just have (laughs) have my mom and be like, oh, that's my baby, and that's it, right? Like, that's it.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, thanks, you guys, so much for coming on. Uh, It's been a pleasure. Thanks for showing us the platform and giving us a little bit of insight into the future of data and uh, the developer experience, Uh, and that's it for today. So thank you. And I'll take us out. Thank you very much. Thank you.